You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 underway. Jam-packed show, Wednesday edition from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad Withrow remains in Nebraska. I've been told he's already made it through the book Geronimo, and he's been there for less than 24 hours. Well done, Chad. Sitting in for Withrow today, our guest co-host on this Wednesday, Coach Jeff Fisher. Fish, what's up, man? Nothing, man. Thanks for having me. And Chad, I know you're listening. Take some time. Don't be in a hurry. I got it. That's right. Yeah, we had Eddie. We had 27. Eddie George 27? yesterday. Yeah, good. It's got, got yeah. to be a blast. We got Bullet coming in, another one of your uh, favorite players. Yeah. yeah. I got to listen to KB. Did a little color for one of the local Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's going to be a fun week. Yeah, uh, good stuff. They got great stories. And this guy to my left absolutely does uh, when it comes to our guests. We've got Bobby Carpenter coming up in 20 minutes. We're going to preview the college football playoff. Former Buckeye, first round pick. Former Cowboy, he'll be with us. We'll talk all things college. In our number two, Jeff, one of your favorite players you've ever coached, Chris Long, will be on the show today. Uh, plenty of stories, pranks, uh, philanthropy off the field, everything in between. The guy's done it all, and now he's got a huge podcast. And on top of that, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better teammate. I wasn't with him very long. I had four years with him, and I'm looking forward to, to catching up with him and telling some stories. Uh, same with Clay Travis, who will be with us in hour number three. He will good. join us. Uh, I, we like to joke. He, he does have multiple beach homes. I'm not sure which one, but he's not in either one of them uh, currently, but he is in Florida. He'll join us from Florida. Clay good will. Good deal. Yeah. Well, let's go. Uh, we'll, we'll talk Montana in a moment because uh, we're, I'm sitting next to the Kevin Costner of, uh, of football coaches. When it comes to uh, <laughs> your hunting skills and uh, the the great ranch stories that you have, but let's start with the big news of the day. We're going to talk to and the concussion protocol in a moment. But right before we've gone on air, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders they're benching Derek Carr in favor of Jarrett Stidham with two weeks to play, and it appears, and this is a signal that it's going to happen, that they're going to try to trade or cut Derek Carr at the end of the season or whenever the new league year can begin uh, based on the money, the salary, all that factors in and the fact that they're for, I mean, he leads the league in interceptions, Jeff, but at the same time, Josh McDaniel and Derek Carr, they've actually been winning games as of late compared to what we saw early on. But this is a sign that the extension that they gave him is it for the long term? It's the short term, and they've got to figure out the, the future at the position. Yeah, there's so many things involved here, though. There's so many moving objects, um, and you can't you can't just go out and go. You know, well, David, you know, he's what he's won sixty something and seventy something. I mean, I don't know yeah. what his numbers are, but so he's on the losing side. Well, he's had a no, number of head coaches. Um, w they actually 
did a pretty good job last year. They I mean, got to I, the that postseason. Game, that game, that game, you know, that bat was like a it was a wild card playoff game cut type thing to get in, like, in a, and it was an amazing game. And and you've seen some great things out of him. We all have to be careful just to overreact and just all of a sudden place blame someplace. He's not the reason that you know his you know his teammates around him went down with injuries and things like that. But there's a lot going on here. You got um, you have some contractual things that they need yeah. to deal with and you know when you look at things from you know at first glance you go oh that well that makes sense yeah they're going to move on from it. well no what they don't want to have happen right now even though they still have a shot don't they i mean uh, they're still yeah. mathematically not eliminated yeah and so that that's a little unusual but i think what happens is the the, the organization is saying hey look we got some work to do um you know if it's a long shot to get in it's probably unlikely um, if our starting quarterback has some kind of injury situation uh, over the next two weeks, we could potentially could be on the hook for some money. Yes. And, and so you're saying that like you have that information well, so, in front of you. Uh, I'm, the, the Raiders aren't certainly saying this, but it's no different than Matt Ryan when he was benched for the second time. The reports were, hey, there's, there's an injury guarantee uh, clause in his deal where if he's not healthy, if he can't pass a physical by the third day following the Super Bowl, the Colts are on the hook because they can't move him. He's guaranteed it was uh, over 17 to $20 million, I believe. In this case, out west with the Raiders, if Derek Carr could not pass a physical the third day following the Super Bowl this, this season... They're on the hook for $40 million. Meanwhile, if they trade or cut him, they can save $29 million on the cap. And if he's not the future, well, he's on the move, and they're making this to ensure that, hey, uh, we're not going to the postseason, and we're going to change things. Let's make sure that he's healthy so that we can get something in return for trading Derek Carr, and it doesn't burn us where we owe him $40 million out the door. Yeah, I don't want to get into the details or the, you know, in the weeds with this, but passing a physical to me is a little bit, of, you know, it's just, it's unclear. You know, you should say something along the lines of, hey, look, you know, if he has a season ending between week eight and 16, then we'll pay him. But if he doesn't, then we won't. You know, that kind of thing. You got to be more specific because now you can imagine you got eight doctors sitting there and, and four of them have passed him and four of them failed him. And now you got into this deal. So they avoid all that. Um, what they're saying is they're going to, I think they're going to regroup. They're going to evaluate everything. You know, they did some good things this year. Yep. They they had some leads, didn't they? At, yes. at Well into Double the fourth quarter. And then they lost yep. it. That's the quarterback's fault. Um, so, you know, they're just going to look at everything. And then I, I, I think we need to be careful when we just assume that, that he's not coming back. Um, he's a good player. Um, he, he, did a, he did a good job playing that position for his former coach. And his former coach is hard on quarterbacks, and that's John Groot. Yeah. And then he had to play for the interim in Bisaccia. And then now you've got a new system in there and with Josh's system. And I hope they give Josh a chance. And I hope Josh and David get to part ways, you know, on their own terms, not something based on some contractual deal. Can I tell you immediately what I'm thinking of? Yeah. Josh McDaniels. Yeah. He's going this week. He'll be coaching his former quarterback from New England, yeah. Jarrett Stidham. There's another former quarterback from New England that's not going to be in Tampa Bay next year. And I don't think Tom Brady's done. 
Well, we can talk about whether he's done or not. That, you well, know, makes... maybe later on. But you know, so now you're gonna now you're gonna do the Green Bay conspiracy theory, uh, Rogers to Denver thing. So you're starting out on on me now. I mean, uh, Brady was already talking to well, Miami the, ownership the difference last year. That, well, I guess it's not the difference. It would be similar because <laughs> both coaches are there. But um, I don't know. Um, Okay, so you're on record. It's official. You went on record. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, that. As you, it, it, uh, Fish knows, uh, I'm normally not right with my conspiracy theories. But I personally, I don't want Brady to to call it quits. We'll get to that later. Um, I of course do, we don't. We yeah. yeah I on. love watching play. Yeah. I I also speaking of calling it quits. I we're about to we're not going to see Tua again this season. Yeah. Mike McDaniel said that his status for this weekend was uncertain. He he confirmed that. The, he did suffer on the on the record his second concussion of the season, and it happened during a game where there was nothing that was recognized in the moment. There's speculation about where the hit occurred and the, the the helmet hitting the turf in Miami this past weekend against Green Bay, but this is now the at least the second, it's the third unofficial concussion of the season and. Now we're seeing um, the protocol back in place. He's been under the spotlight because of what went on with the league and how the media handled it. The first go-around, where he played four days later on Thursday night and then had to go to the hospital, and that's when the concussion protocol changed midway through this season. There's no way the Dolphins are going to play him again this year based on everything that's gone on with him this year. Well, one would assume that. Uh, but if somebody takes a position, we're going to make our decision on whether or not he plays based on the most recent mm-hmm. brain injury, the most recent concussion, and how he comes back off of that. Common sense tells you once you start adding, adding you know, stacking you know, head trauma incidents on top of each other, concussions, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're reducing your, the, the potential and your opportunity to compete at a high level and play this game. It's just that, it's that simple. Three sounds like a lot. We don't know the details. We don't know the, it, it's such a subjective process and everything about the brain injury is, is still a mystery to most of us. And, you know, uh, you know, you've seen over over time, seen players literally on the field, unconscious, and then get up, and then feel okay, and be fine the next day, and be cleared to play the next week. And guys, on the other extreme, wake up Monday morning after a game with a headache, and they go and report it, and then they go in the protocol, and they can't play for three or four weeks. So every situation is completely different. Uh, there are good people in, in, in the, at the league level and in places, in very, very high places, with respect to you know, brain injury and trauma and the protocols, and they're working through it. And we've got to be really careful to blame somebody, uh, the athlete, uh, the trainer, the, you know, the independent observer, the neurologist. You just got to let them gather the information and make the, the best decision possible. But I, what I can tell you that the league, the player association, fans, everybody are what's most important to all of us is the player's welfare and his health and safety. No doubt. No that's, doubt. That's, and, that's the bottom line with respect to anything, but especially when you're talking about brain injury. And Jeff, I think the biggest change in concussion protocol isn't necessarily the protocol at all. I think the players are self-reporting symptoms at a higher level than we've ever seen. Well, and, and again, I think once they get to that point, um, 
You get a veteran player, again, I'm not discriminating on, you know, veteran players versus younger players, but uh, guys want to stay in the league. And there's, yeah. I mean, there, you know, things have changed. And um, people, people didn't want to report anything. I'm okay, coach. No, I'm fine. I don't want to miss time. I don't want to lose my starting job. You know, all that kind of stuff. Now I think there's so much more awareness to it. And, you know, we, it'd be interesting to have a segment on it because, you know, the, you know, youth, youth football, lacrosse, hockey, soccer, every, you know, everywhere you turn, we're dealing with, with head trauma and head injury and how to go about it and what's the protocol. And, you know, I just think, um, you know, hopefully technology will catch up with it. And, you know, every situation is different. We have to learn from some mistakes. We don't want to make mistakes. Unfortunately, they're made. You know? I don't recall, and maybe I've just completely overlooked it. I don't recall a player in concussion protocol in college football this year. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, it hasn't been yeah. a story like yeah. it has in the league. Yeah. Um, and it all go it all goes back to the players' well being. I think there's certainly a higher rate of the concussions with the speed and the, the everything that goes into uh, the the collisions at that level. But also the lawsuit. I mean, that, that's where everything focused on. They hit what Will Smith made a movie on this, yeah. and the league is very uh, concerned about the optics and public perception. There's no questioning that. And now that's why I say Tua is not going to play again because of the scrutiny that the Dolphins will be under and have been under since everything went down midway through the season in Cincinnati. And and if that's the case, then they should just say, hey, look, you know, we're going to shut it down. we got a lot of information, a lot of stuff to process. Yeah. Unless, until we get through this stuff, then we want to do what's best for him, and we, we're not going to let him play right now. And, that, and that's, what, that's where you go with it because, you know – you just can't cover it up and you know you know just give it lip service and so on and so forth it is uh it is an issue um i, I really think that the the league uh will will be on top of this one look for some changes i mean i think you'd see some something along the lines of well look if a player has a it goes in the protocol is confirmed for a second time during the course of a season then uh, from that point he must wait x number of weeks before he returns to play even though he He's, uh, you know, he's able to play or is cleared to play. So th you'll see something like that, I think, come up with, uh, that's coming out of this. That you, usually, usually when you have incidents, you know, uh, with respect to the league, whether it's player safety or rules, they usually usually try to fix it. You know, <laughs> sometimes you'll, sometimes like pass interference. They you try to you were able quick. to recite the rule book um, in an incredible fashion. I still remember just you could all these different points and emphasis uh, for for officials. And many times you you knew it better than the officials on the field that particular game day. But on the rules committee itself, which you were part of for years, um, how much would you be included in this discussion of changing a protocol like this, or is that typically just medical and league office? Well, they would. Are you on the call? Uh, oh yeah, we're definitely on the call. We've been on the call. We sat. We participated in a lot of meetings and reports. I mean, you know, you sit around and you know, once the season's over, you gather all the information. You go ahead and you, you know, you compare this current, this past season to the seasons prior, and and what the concussion numbers look like, and where they're falling, early, late, middle, playing service, all of those kind of things. You look at all mm -hmm. that data, um, and then you know, you make suggestions and recommendations. Now. That from a competitive standpoint, and we talked about this just briefly uh, earlier, um, 
when you have, and this, this was part of the conversations, is, okay, so we're going to have an observer upstairs who's independent, but he happens to have a practice here, and we'll, we'll pick an NFL city, say Baltimore, okay? And um, He didn't pick New England. Yeah, I didn't, I'm not going <laughs> to pick New England, of course, but I picked Baltimore because I love John. So yeah. um, anyway, and so this guy's going to be up there, and he's going to look, he's going to just watch the game, and, and oh, man, look at that. Jeez, um, the opposing quarterback, um, he calls down and says, you need to check, pull your, your quarterback out. It, I know it's inside of two minutes and you guys are only down by three, but I think, he's, I think he wobbled, so take him out and we evaluate him. Okay, that's the competitive aspect to it. The competition committee wants to make sure that um, whatever the protocols go into, into place, that they have eliminated and gone through the weeds and all the unintended consequences of yeah. what's competitive. I hope it would never get to that, but there would be that one case. You know, there always is that one that well, represents the, the body, and that's I know, but unfortunate. It's, well, <clears throat> when you have situations, most situations, somebody's to blame. And even though people blame the wrong people oftentimes, or it's a group or whatever it is, somebody needs a scapegoat. Well, and the independent evaluator, who, by the way, the spotter, we, we don't talk to. As far as media is concerned, right? They're they're treated, uh, they they're in protocol where they're not allowed to speak on incidents like this or issues like this. Much like officials post game, where you have a designee from the media that goes to talk with them over a controversial call. Yeah, that's your call. pool reporter. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's um it's very difficult to get anyone from the league to discuss the protocol and uh, until they've changed it, and then it's like okay, here's what we're doing, and they release it through you know. Uh, uh, PDF yeah. on Twitter. I have a I have a protocol um, change recommendation. Okay, and I think you'll find it more in college um, ball than you you will in the NFL. I saw it in the NFL for a few years, but it really makes no sense when you have a player, a college player that has to go in to be evaluated for a concussion. And he runs from the sideline into the locker room, in the training room to be evaluated. It's a, the, you pull him out of the game. You're going to take him in. You're going to evaluate him. You're concerned about head tra trauma, but oh, let's run fast in there, okay? <laughs> let's get your heart rate going. That's okay. You know? Which makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. So I would recommend that. We will uh, circle back to this later in the show. Again, Chris Long will join us in hour two. Clay Travis later in today's show when we come back. Bobby Carpenter will join us. Um, word is from him, he's at an airport. Hopefully his flight is not canceled. Hopefully he's not flying southwest. We, we will uh, discuss the college football playoff with Bobby when we return. And uh, we've got plenty to get to with special guest host today, Jeff Fisher on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton with you, Withrow in Nebraska, sitting in Chad's seat. Jeff Fisher, our special co-host today. 
Uh, it's going to be a fun show. We've got Chris Long coming up in about an hour. Clay Travis a bit later. Right now, we go to the airport in Columbus. And thank God you're not flying Southwest, Bobby Carpenter, as we preview the college football playoff. And Bobby's headed to Atlanta. Is this for work or to support the Buckeyes? Uh, I'm heading down there with uh, SiriusXM. So it's going to be work. I'm going to be working media day tomorrow. So they've, they've got the... Uh, the rate all the way up to about $800 if you're willing to take the flight tomorrow morning. So if I didn't have to be there at eight, I probably would have went home right now and, and chilled for another day. So uh, Eddie George was, was co-hosting yesterday and he was still trying to contemplate whether or not he wanted to spend new year's Eve in Atlanta. And when he said that I perked up going, hang on. Um, I thought you were confident in this matchup. Because if he was, he'd have a suite. You know how Eddie rolls. He'd be there on the sideline. He would be there for Georgia and Ohio State. Where are you on your confidence level for how this game's going to turn out? I'm pretty confident that I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I can't promise Ohio State's going to win. I mean, you look at how good Georgia is. They're the defending national champs. They're a very talented team. And my thing is, if you can get it to the six-minute mark in the fourth quarter, and it's a one possession game and you have a chance to go get a score or get a stop, you know, to have a chance to win. I think that's ultimately all you can ask for. And the thing is, though, that, that doesn't make you feel any better if your team doesn't find a way to pull it out. So I've I suffered. It was at two of the national championship games that they lost against Florida and LSU. I was there in uh, New Orleans when they beat Alabama. I was down in Dallas when they beat Ohio State, beat Oregon. Those were great. But. When you're on the other end of that, man, it really kills a holiday. That's why for the main reason I don't even like these games being on New Year's Eve. Just make them on New Year's Day, and then you know, you're battling a hangover anyway, so the day is not always going to be that great at all. Bobby Carpenter with us uh, on his way to Atlanta for Ohio State and Georgia. What about the other game, Bobby? By the way, how you doing? It's good to see you. That's, that's great Relaxed and comfortable shot. last time, man. I think you had some hard plastic on your head last time we crossed paths. But um, what about the other game? Uh, it, you know, it, it's great to see, obviously, Fish. And uh, hopefully uh, hopefully your son's doing well, man. I, yeah, uh, thank It's you. awesome being with him in Detroit. Yeah. And uh, one, of, one of my favorites. So he's, he's like a little clone of you, for better or worse. And now he's <laughs> well, thanks. Him. Actually, you know, he's helping Eddie. <laughs> he's Eddie's defensive coordinator. I know you put that nice. together, but he's here at Tennessee State. Yeah. That's Putting awesome. some defensive that's, uh, numbers up, baby. Yep. That's good. Yeah. That's, uh, that's some good stuff. Uh, but as far as Michigan and TCU, you know, I, I like Michigan to be able to run the ball. TCU's got, you know, they've got some great skill on offense. And it'll be a challenge for Michigan to try to slow them down. But I look at what Michigan was able to do to Ohio State. They had a good game plan. They were able to bottle them up. If they can find a way, you know, to obviously uh, keep, keep Max contained, the quarterback in the pocket, not let him run too much. I think they've got a pretty good shot of staying in this. I just worry that Michigan, they're so big and they're so physical, and Jim Harbaugh is going to stay committed to the run, that are you going to be able to slow that down and continue to stop that for four quarters? You know, Fish, I know the way you always, you know, a lot of your teams were built, they're similar to this Michigan team. They're big, they're physical, they want to bully and play good defense, and that can wear on a team when they're not used to seeing that for four quarters. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I think, by and large, we all have a pretty good sense of three of the top four teams that are, that are playing this weekend. The The question in everybody's mind is, well, how, how, tell me about TSU. I mean, you know. Yeah, T- I mean, not, I mean, with TCU. TCU is yeah. like, where'd they come from? How did they do this? You know, it's pretty impressive. I mean, it's great football. I had a great season. 
you know? Oh, and Sonny Dykes, what he's done down there. I mean, they've got an explosive offense. And, you know, Gary Patterson, I think it proved like, they were not that far away last year. I mean, he's a heck of a coach. He was there for 20 years, built that program from a, a group of five school to joining the Big 12 to now ultimately playing in the CFP you know, over about a 10 to 15 year period. It's incredibly impressive. As impressive as program build as you'll ever see, probably in modern college football. And so, you know, Sonny Dykes took that, tuned up that offense a little bit. Kind of gave the players a little freedom, and I think you're seeing the fruits of that right now because they go out, they play hard, they play fast, and you can tell they really enjoy playing football. Bobby, which which opponent would Georgia want to face in the championship, and is it the same answer for Ohio State? I know that Ohio State, you know, not that they're looking past Georgia by any stretch because that's not something you're ever doing with the defending national champs and the number one overall seed, but, I mean, I think there is a sense that if they won, I mean, that would – their ultimate prize would be getting a chance of redemption. And, you know, if you look at Ohio State and Michigan over the last, you know, 30 years, or last 20 years, I mean, there hadn't been many team, many groups of players that have come through who didn't have a winning record, let alone potentially not winning against them. And that's, you know, some of these juniors that could be leaving, like C.J. Stroud. You didn't play him your freshman year and you lost the last two. So getting a second bite at that apple, I think, would be big. And, you know, I think Georgia, I don't, I don't know if it really, they really care. You know, they probably look at TCU, maybe a little bit more of a favorable matchup. Michigan's built very similarly to Georgia. So, you know, it would be kind of like playing a little mirror image of yourself. But, you know, as far as Georgia, I I think that they match up pretty well with anybody because when you have an elite defensive line like that, it's going to keep you in every game. And they've got the offensive skill to be able to put up points. Is Ohio State able to play the physical game in the trenches with Georgia because they were unable to do it now for two consecutive seasons with Michigan? You know, the first year, last year against Michigan, it was it was a beating up front. This year, it was – you go back and you watch it, and I watched it more times than I probably should have. And <laughs> they held their own for the majority of the time, and it's, it's the explosive gains that get you. And it's – that guy's getting beat off the ball. It was you know, a guy missing a gap here or there, missing a tackle, and it's everybody else's cover. There's not a lot of surge and a push at the point of attack. And so they did a pretty good job. It's just going to be coming, coming down to execution. You know, I, I, this will obviously be their biggest test. I mean, especially on the offensive side, trying to block Jalen Carter and the dudes up front because I mean, Georgia just sends waves of defensive linemen at you. Uh, but Ohio State, I mean, all five of their offensive linemen were all conference players. So you know, if you guys can't go out and find a way to not necessarily dominate a game, but but hold your own and not get beat up, if you can give that guy number seven, CJ Stroud, some time, I think you're going to be okay. So that'll definitely be the challenge for him and. You know, we'll see at 8 o'clock on uh, Saturday if they're up to it. Outside of the, the college football playoff, which of the New Year's Six games excites you the most? Which is can't miss? Is there one? Oh, goodness. You know, I, I'm looking. I like uh, the, the Clemson-Tennessee game. I mean, down in Orange Bowl to see what they have. You know, obviously there's no head and hookers. That takes a little bit of steam off of it. But to see what Clemson can continue doing now in the, in the post-DJ era with Klubnik, with, will he truly be the answer? He is now the unquestioned starter. And so this is a great opportunity for him to go up against a team that can score a lot of points. And so we'll see, you know, and heck, it's an orange bowl and there's going to be a heck of a lot of orange in there. So there should be a decent amount of scoring. It should be an entertaining game. But that's kind of the one that I'm looking at as to next year to kind of see what Tennessee could potentially be and then also what Clemson could be. And, guys, I'm wa- I'm watching these games. I'm keeping tabs, and I'll be watching the games of the New Year's Six. But if and maybe maybe if I didn't know that the 12-team playoff was on the horizon, I'd think better about these matchups. But 
I don't know if I have cared less than what I do right now about the games outside of the playoff than this year. And it, maybe it's uh, I'm looking into it more, Bobby, but uh, the, the opt-outs and the transfer portal and everything in between makes it very difficult to figure out which teams want to be there versus not, even in some of the better matchups that we've considered the, the staples of the bowl season, the Rose Bowl. Uh, USC Tulane, does, do the Trojans want to be playing Tulane? Uh, all of that. Meanwhile, you've got Alabama who didn't have a single opt-out. And that's what I think you're seeing here. In Alabama, I give a lot, a lot of credit to Will Anderson and Bryce Young. And I won't criticize guys for opting out, but I will praise guys for continuing to play football games because that's what you're tasked to do and finishing your college career the right way uh, and going out and playing with the guys. You put a lot of time, energy, and effort into the, into the season with them. Uh, but part of it is, too, I mean, you have all these opt-outs. You have coaches. I, I get opting out of a bowl game maybe if you're you know top 10 pick. But for guys just to opt out to enter the transfer portal, I'm like, man, go play one more game. I mean, you're really yeah. worried. I know people can get seriously hurt, and I, and I broke my leg playing. I've had separated shoulders. I've had stuff that's pretty serious. But, I mean, at the end of the day, man, like you only get so many football games. Guys, if you stay four years in college, you might get 50 football games. And I couldn't imagine voluntarily sitting out one as a sophomore because I think there might be a better opportunity on the horizon, and I'm afraid to get hurt like that. That doesn't make any sense in my mind. Well, I totally agree with you. It's well said, and it's, they're getting bad advice. There's, somebody's giving them the advice, you know, and it's not it's not for their own well being. It's, it's it's a sel- it's a selfish perspective on the advice giver. That's all. Somebody's got an investment in it, and then it just does, yeah, it's just not fair. It doesn't make sense, but I mean, that's kind of we we love a little bit of that old school, you know. Just go and play, you know. Just go play. Well, I'm watching a bowl game. My goodness, it was UNC, and I think Arizona State. I want to say I couldn't even remember. It was a you know ESPN Classic game that I kind of stumbled into. And I'm sitting there watching, and the quarterback's last name is May. I'm like, is that Drake May's dad? And so I pull a look it up, and I do a little history. I'm like, holy smokes. Like, and I'm watching that stuff, and like, that would be the term, a quote, a meaningless bowl game. I'm watching that thing probably with more uh, intent than I was watching some of the games right. this year. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and oh, my gosh. Um, oh, goodness. Your former uh, DB's coach was playing, I want to say, for, was it Arizona State? Cecil, Cecil, Chuck. Cecil, was yeah, he, yeah, Chuck, Chuck Cecil. We were talking was out about there. Chuck he, earlier. He, yeah. He's coached at University of Arizona. He's he's at University yeah. of Arizona. No, he played there. He's you know in their Ring of Honor, Hall of Fame, anything else you want to call it. Yeah, he went to University of Arizona. Yeah. Like, I'm watching that game, man. Like that's Chuck Cecil there, Drake May's dad, and all this stuff. Like this is a good game. I it, can't. Yeah. I couldn't fathom just sitting out that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, we don't want you to miss your flight. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's time to board. I know. So appreciate you, man. You always make time for the show. Uh, I always call Bobby the most loyal guest we have, week in and week out, no matter where he is. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Good luck to the Buckeyes. Take care, Bobby. Good seeing you. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Fish. Good, good to see you. Uh, follow him on Twitter at bcarp3. You can check him out on SiriusXM Channel 84 for the coverage from the college football playoff from the Peach Bowl perspective between Georgia and Ohio State, a good perspective as well with Michigan TCU. Would a would an opt-out have a bearing for you as an NFL coach, head coach, in the draft? Depends on the circumstances, what the game was, you know, uh, the individual player, the position, the rationale behind it. The need we for... Would, yeah, the, we would go into detail. I mean, the area scout would 
I mean, that would be his job. You find out everything about why he decided to opt out out of this game. But and, and you go through it, and if you're okay with it, you're okay with it. But there's yeah. no question you want a healthy first, second, third round pick. You don't want someone. Oh, yeah. Well, right, I like, mean, that's the other side of it. You know, you're unfortunately, you're gonna, there's going to be some injuries over the next couple of weeks, and guys are going to miss the combine because of it. And, you and they're know, probably and, missing it anyway and, uh, nowadays. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, just you know, because of the pro days, all that stuff. But, uh, you know, it, it is. I mean, it's a, it's a concern. It's, it's, it's just part of what happens. Mm-hmm. But uh, y- you'd like to see these guys play every opportunity that, that, that they get and compete uh, because of the, the information that's out there and the amount of research that you have to do. Well, and I, it's, I think it, it's more and more difficult to find out which guys love ball. You know, every, every organization in the league wants that quality in a player that they're selecting. But with NIL and transfer portal, if you're not getting your way one year, you're out to the team that will actually play you. You know, that's a, that's a completely different mindset than what it was a decade ago. Right, and that's the – I mean, the, the, I don't think it's going to have, um, you know, implications or anything from that standpoint uh, from the NFL – perspective because these kids are basically doing these things for one reason and that's to get to the nfl and so to ensure it yeah yeah it's just to whatever they're whatever they're they think their path is and a lot of times they're wrong and unfortunately they're sitting there without without a you know a program to be a part of right now that list is pretty long and so these kids are making these decisions but um you know from an nfl perspective as long as you got the information you know now Am I going to draft a kid that that in the in late late in the game in the sixth round that um, opted out and um, you know was out, out in the portal? You know he didn't get to play a senior year. Probably not. Yeah, and the to your point, like I, I think it depends on when you're selecting that player. Yeah, top of the line talent, elite first round grade talent is hard to find. There's really only sixteen to twenty of those guys a year, right? I mean, on typical draft. And if you're qualifying one of these players who opted out as one of those guys, you're taking him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And his, his rationale for doing it may be, hey, look, I'm a top 10 guy, so I don't want to fall in the second round. Yeah. I don't want to do this. I, you know, and there's, that makes sense. We, we, we get that part. Everybody in the league understands that perspective. Jeff Fisher, our guest co-host. We plenty of headlines to hit. Um, before we go to break, we were talking quarterbacks earlier. Carson Wentz is back as the starter in Washington with the playoffs on the line, Ron Rivera, who you know well, um, he's going back with Wentz over Heineke with two games to play, knowing that they've got to win after going 0-2-1 and uh, here so, on yeah, the last so Carson, three. Carson goes out with a broken ring finger or something like that. He's been out for about a month, right? About yeah. a month. And yeah. over that period of time, and in, and, and prior to that, um, you know, Winky's, he's uh, – He's won some games, and I think, but I don't think he's won the last three or four weeks, has he? Is he? No, they've they've gone through a a, a period where uh, he's o two and one, o two and one, o two and one. So most recent loss is San Francisco. Okay, yeah, of course, but (laughs) but still, he's o two and one. I think Ron's perspective is okay. Carson's back. He's healthy. His everything but his finger is healthy. His fingers must be good enough, or he wouldn't, you know, be starting him. So he got a healthy quarterback that's, that hasn't taken any shots. Um, you know, he's got experience, a little more experience than the other guy, uh, and uh, he's been sitting around watching. He's probably this much further along in the system. 
yeah, this is our best chance to win the games we need to win here. The next well, and they've, they've Heineke's been moving the ball, but their red zone offense has been really bad. Like that's where they've stalled out. Um, and it's their offense wasn't great with Wentz to begin with, but Wentz has been. I think he went out in mid October. He went to IR, and then he kept. He's back like December seventeenth or something. To your point, so they gave him an extra week. They've got now the opportunity to play him, and clearly they feel comfortable with Wentz running things more than Heineke. But Heineke did give them more of a spark with what they were doing. They got back in the winning ways compared to what we were seeing with Wentz. Yeah, he protected the ball a little mm-hmm. bit better, I think. Um, you know, they're both, I think they both share the same kind of mobility skills. Um, with respect to the red zone, yeah. it, it's hard. It doesn't matter whether you're one of these two guys or whether you're the best yeah. one there. I mean, it's hard to get the ball in the end zone. And so you have to do that with 11 um, you got to be able to run the football and you got to be able to do some creative things down there. And you need experience at the quarterback spot, of course. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I, um, I, I hope for Carson's sake that uh, he'll be less reckless or we're into that he got hurt right before halftime and now they're going back with the other guy and yeah. you know, the other guy wins out and to make the playoffs. Yeah, this, this is his last stand. As yeah. a starter. Yeah, and I'm rooting for him. Um, you know, he's a great guy. He's really competitive. Uh, he's very emotional. He's very um, self-reflective. And, you know, he's, you know, he can beat himself up a little bit here and there. So I hope he has uh, success in the next couple of weeks. Well, and from Washington's stance, like, they need, they need a definitive answer with him on whether or not to move forward with Carson Wentz. Because keep in mind... Not only are they paying the money to get him, but they gave up two third-round picks. They also swapped second-round picks this April with Indy. I mean, it was a gift to the Colts because then they end up with Matt Ryan, who at the time they thought was going to be much better than Wentz. Turns out, no, uh, he's not. But Wentz wasn't the solution either because Ursay wanted him out, and they got paid to do so. So in Washington's case, they, the investment is with Carson Wentz, not Taylor Heineke. Right, and and so let's um, you know let's make it work. Do anything, whatever he can to make it work. He's healthy. He's going to play. Had he not broken his finger, was did they set him before he broke his finger? No. Yeah. So he's healthy. That makes sense. Coming up, uh, we discuss the ranch in Montana fish and the the elk that you landed. You've been been trying to get this for a few years, I believe, and I can't wait for the details of uh, what what he accomplished. I'll call it the football off-season, the USFL off-season, um, and uh, the trips, the multiple trips you've made to Montana. We will also hit some headlines that will include our discussion for Coach of the Year, underperforming coaches. The divisions are pretty easy to figure out. And Chris Long will join us in roughly 40 minutes. All of that and more coming up on Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Some things I just believe in speaking into existence. Welcome back, Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. One of those things will be hosting Outkick 360 from your property, Jeff. 
uh, in Montana. We could do that. You just have to pick the time of the year. Yeah, well, then, yeah, you get everything logistically planned. Yes. Yeah, we could do that. So, um, yeah, we, you know what? Um, we um, fell in love with a place up there 25 years ago, maybe even more. And um, so for most of that time, I rarely saw it in the fall. And so, you know, in, the, in this football world, you don't have falls yeah. off. You have you might get a day or two, uh, you know, over a bye weekend, but it just doesn't happen. And so I've just been really fortunate and blessed to be able to do those things in the falls that I, in the fall of the past, you know, that I just that I gave up in the past. And so this would include it. I know um, you I know you love to fish, um, but you have been after an elk for years, right? Yeah, I mean, I, in that world, um, you know, it's it's a it's a complicated, sophisticated world. The people that up there, everybody does it, and some people have success, some people don't. But it's really, I really got into it uh, on the front end of it. I, I wasn't really hurry, in a hurry to you know harvest an animal, any animal. I got picky for a couple of years, um, and then um, the last couple of years, I, you know, I, I got serious and said, "Okay, I need to do this while I still can." And um, so this was uh, a great story. Um, it's a beautiful animal, and I actually got it in um, on the other side of the park in in Wyoming, outside of Cody, Wyoming. I have a dear friend up there. His name is David Rael, and um, he's a big Rams fan, and uh, right. we're still friends. And um, <laughs> you know, he had a lot to do with. Uh, getting and fish and stuff up there and so i uh, went out with he and his and some of his buddies and his cowboy friends and his boys and uh, they dedicate a lot of time uh and effort just to put me on that animal it was really cool so we've got a we were showing a photo of it how large is this elk as we see it in this photo i mean i can see it in perspective to you but I mean, is seeing an elk in well, person big, compared to what yeah, I would most expect people, is... I mean, the people that, that hunt elk would probably recognize this and uh, and score it. They probably have enough time to score it right now just by looking at it. Yeah. it. It scores because of its antlers. And so the more mass and the more length and the more the bigger the score, the bigger the score, the, you know, the better... The, the better of the elk kind of thing. This was different for me. I, we found this animal a, a, week, a week before this and, oh. and um, you know, kind of stalked it and kind of watched it for uh, a whole day and then lost it and then picked up the hunt again later uh, in the week and then found him. So uh, it was kind of cool. So that would score somewhere in the 345 to 350 range probably uh, for those that are, you know, that, that do it. And um, it was a, it was, Again, it was on, you know, it was just outside of Cody a little bit. I can't, this, uh, I can't reveal okay. specifically yeah, no, exactly. No, no problem. Yeah. The, the secrets, yeah. right? It's like the great fishing spot. So yeah. is this like 3 or 4 a.m.? Like it's dark. It's clearly not at, it's, it's at night, but it's early morning, right? No, it's not. It's just not uh, early morning. You got a flash on a, on oh. a phone. This is on a mountainside. This is probably... Uh, right after shooting light. So okay. um, in case Fishing Game is, is listening, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you okay. about what time it is, but, uh, but you, you yeah. can't. I'm asking all the wrong questions. No, no, you, no, it's great. This was probably around, but somewhere between 6 and 7, maybe 5 and 6.30 p.m. And it, it gets dark quick. What did you use? Um, that was that one will remain confidential. Okay, but you can we tell the grizzly issue there? 
You're, you're worried about Grizzlies coming up there, right? Well, um, about I think it's about six weeks ago, um, there were two um, hikers. Uh, actually, they were shed hunting for antlers. Uh, I believe that they uh, attended or had attended Rocky Mountain College in, in Billings. They were uh, two wrestlers, and um, they were up on um, – public access in this very area and um the one of the first the first individuals was attacked when, and, and struck and was being mauled by the uh, sow grizzly and the second individual came in there and just gave it up and just came in there swinging and grabbed an ear from what i was able to determine and uh, it's a well-documented story it, i think fox documented it you yeah, know yeah. About, over that time but long story this is the same piece of property where so we yeah, built a fire as quickly yeah a fire as quick as you can and um you know and then just kind of be you know be aware be Cognizant. aware yeah extremely and uh, but uh, it is an issue it's an issue that um that you deal with up there um you know and uh, outside during the during the fall um the the bears are um um they're uh the encounters are are happening more and more and more often uh, with greater frequency so yeah. um and i've heard way too many stories and i'm i'm especially <laughs> happy that that i wasn't involved in one fishing is that more of your passion um love to do do, do both but i say yeah you get longer uh, you get more opportunities to fish just because of restrictions with respect to the the hunting season so you've got a salmon here uh, yes. Um, so we, you and I were talking about it early on the break. Um, left the USFL game um, down in Birmingham, came came to Nashville, and and uh, within two and a half days or three days of that, this was uh, my trip. I'm really, really, really blessed to um, have an opportunity to go uh, up into a special area up in Alaska, yeah. and we're fly fishing for king salmon. That I, is a that is a badass fish. That's, um, yes. It's journey, um, what it represents. And we, we release them all. We put them back as fast as we can. Jeff Fisher, our guest co-host, more stories like this, plus Chris Long, and we'll discuss Coach of the Year. That's next on Outkick 360.